How can you keep your cool when the world around you is going to hell in a handbasket? You may have been asked that question. I trust no one here was the initiator of that question. But even if you were, you're still a good person. And just maybe if you did it, that will be the last time you will ever do it after you've had the experience of us this morning here. What we are going to do today is to revisit some of Unity's very basic teachings concerning the abundant universe in which we live, move, and have our being, prosperity. For you won't hear these things within the majority of conversations centered around current events in your world, I would make that observation. And you certainly won't hear them on CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN, or Fox. And more than not, hear the news about the financial things and sometimes the political state of things is certainly told from the perspective of the glass that is half empty or worse. And if you are fortunate enough to hear a debate on any of these news outlets, media, it's usually finger pointing and blame. And you might then legitimately say about whatever, but it's true. If you can't see it, then it is you who has his head in the sand and refusing to face reality. And that's correct from one perspective. But it isn't a message that brings peace, or even more importantly, it isn't a message that will begin to insulate, which I think we can do, us, from the madness that sometimes can go on in the world of humankind. Lack, despair, and the like are similar to a disease that can be inoculated. But in this case, it can't be an antigen or a serum that is injected into one's body, but an inoculation that is a powerful and conscious identification with a God truth that is embraced within the mind and accepted by the heart. Can you accept that in what can be called the worst of times, there are those who prosper. And conversely, in the best of times, there are those who are financially challenged. It is true. So there has to be something else at work, and it isn't in the water. Unity says that this something else is always consciousness, for consciousness is always doing its job description, and that is bringing us into vibrational alignment with what is held therein. Understanding the law in the 91st chapter of Psalms, we find a statement of how consciousness works, obviously understood a long time ago by whoever was its author. They just didn't have the word consciousness in their vocabulary to use. As it was read to us a moment ago, we're going to paraphrase it now within the context of today's lesson. And I take liberal opportunities to paraphrase. Now it reads, Whoever dwells steadfastly within the consciousness of the Most High shall abide within the kingdom that is synonymous with abundance and ever proliferating channels for that abundance to express in their lives. Going on, this steadfast awareness will deliver you from the snare of those who know not and know not that they know not and from the vain gossip that can't tell the difference between a truth and a lie. This truth will insulate you 
from all the effects, from the ignorance of humankind. It will be your shield and buckler, and you will learn not to fear the subtle lies that lurk in the shadows of night, nor the blatant lies that fly by day. This awareness will also insulate you from all conspiracy and destruction. Many will succumb to the fear and the lies, but it will not come near you, for only with your eyes will you see the effects from not choosing to dwell steadfastly within the consciousness of the Most High. Continuing, for those who know and stay steadfastly centered in this truth, the universe, which is teeming with non-physical help and assistance, will find you to be now a willing and receptive receiver for the greater good to express throughout your life. Going further, because love is always a part of the equation of one who knows their centeredness within the unlimited universe, you will be delivered from all financial roller coaster rides, all because you have known who and what is your true identity. Thus, the 91st Psalm in the language of today's lesson. Without using the word consciousness, it so wonderfully and poetically describes exactly how it works. And its message is transferable, translatable, today into any setting that can be formulated or described by man. I use the pronoun man in this case because things would probably be far different if a female influence were more prominent in the various halls of power. However, that notwithstanding, as I briefly spoke to last week at the start of our service, after asking people who were present uh, their perception of the events within our world, uh, and I said that if the perception included fear or anxiety, it was an indication that there is also a degree of forgetfulness of God as source or even a possible hint that a belief in accident, luck, chance has temporarily surfaced from a latent belief that is still held somewhere that has maybe been triggered by the events witnessed within the world, the financial, political markets, and more. So where are you today, right now? It isn't our job as ministers, Mary Ellen and mine, as I understand it, to reinforce anything that might add to any trepidation, any thoughts that you conceivably might be having or even to commiserate with you over current unhappy events in your life. I now say that up front because I learned from a conversation I had sometime during our ministry at a weekly tithers breakfast that was sponsored by us as a very prominent and active woman in the ministry in her turn as we go around the, went around the room stood up to share and told her story about um, last couple days about her being let go from a secretarial position that she had held for many years. My automatic initial response to her was fantastic. Now you can explore and discover new doors that are opening to you. That wasn't what she wanted to hear. She wanted everyone to sympathize with her loss and thereby feed her poor me posturing. What I should have done. Did you have any shoulds in your life? You know, you shouldn't should on yourself, right? But sometimes we do. 
What I should have done was to delicately probe as to what she really was looking for, and while not doing exactly what she wanted, because I couldn't do that, to at least buffer my words more. And from that moment onward, she lay in wait for me. <laughs> and we had a few hot time in the old townic moments together. I don't commiserate or sympathize, for this reinforces the energies that would perpetuate the unwanted. Yet I can be understanding while I seek to point a hopeful, willing mind toward a solution, not staying stuck in the problem. Now, there isn't anything cosmically wrong with being anywhere along the financial scale in your life, since this is our subject for today. It is just that some points are more comfortable than others. What isn't usually comfortable, though we can mask it, is the feeling that we are at the mercy of decisions and such things as artificially set values are put into place outside, so to speak, of the input that we might have upon them. But isn't it interesting that we don't seem to mind that at all when we define these values as one that benefits us? So if we abdicate our responsibility on that side of the ledger, then we are automatically doing so across the board. We can't have it both ways in the process of our creating our own reality. We need to have conscious and consistent input across the board as we formulate our own consciousness. How can we tell where we are and what input is yet efficacious for us to consider? Well, first, we do a gentle inventory on our emotional state right now. If you are at peace and perhaps using the time-honored thinking that the market, while adjusting, always has a history of benefiting its investors in the long run, and this will eventually be the case now, or saying something similar, then from this level of peaceful trust, if I can call it that, your centeredness that comes from dwelling in the unshakable knowledge of God as your source, as said within the 91st Psalm, will the sooner position your experience within your chosen expression of how your reality within the abundant kingdom will play out for you. You have heard this said so very often, but hearing it again, please, for it's imperative to our lesson today as well as to the understanding of the workings of life itself. Do you accept, and I don't ask for a show of hands, do you accept that we create our own realities? and that an acceptance of this as a divine and happy responsibility to gather with an ongoing, meaning conscious, not knee-jerk reaction, but conscious choosing, monitoring of our input into this process, meaning where our focus of thought is, it is the foundation upon which our individual expression of reality is based. How can we tell if our thought focus is going to be productive or counterproductive for us? Our emotions, our feelings will always tell us. So as we further become aware of what we are feeling within any focus of thought, this gives us our own GPS reading of where and what we are vibrationally aligning ourselves with and hence what the universe will respond to to bring more of. What do you mean? I never asked for a roller coaster ride in my finances or a foreclosure experience on my home, let alone my car being repossessed. No, 
I agree. Not as a conscious request, of course not. What I am saying, and this is applicable across the spectrum for all of life's experiences that we encounter, for anything to be present in our lives, it cannot be there without some point of identification with its energy that we are yet holding within us as a belief or a truth. Sometimes it masquerades as fear. God is your source. And let's be certain, it is no longer believed to be this anthropomorphic deity out there somewhere, but the activity of pure energy that is at the core of who and what you are. As leading edge expression of this energy, is, that's another definition of you. It is we who use the formative tool of thought that gives direction to this energy, giving it shape and substance in our life, and it becomes our experience. What about the financial challenges? Did I do that? Not as a conscious act, you didn't. But somewhere there is a maintained focus that is more centered on lack and all of its first and second cousins than on abundance. Where does it come from? How do we do this? It could be from conversations that we continue to have. It could be media exposure that really gets under our skin. It could be a proclivity toward complaining and more. It could be a regurgence of, regurgence, is that a good word? It could be a regurgence of stories you have heard that stay with you. A gentleman we knew sometime in the, in, the, in the history of unity of Tucson, he was very, very animate that the only way you succeed in life is you work hard, and they who don't work hard don't deserve it. Rather than all it takes is being in the flow of the universe through you, it might be stories you heard from way back about the Great Depression and how money was tight and you must now save for a rainy day. You know, save for a rainy day and its equivalent, and guess what you will draw to you? A succession of rainy day experiences that you probably won't like. Save, certainly, if you are guided, but save for fun and save for an exciting project or a wonderful day. It might be the consciousness that is recently expressed, I read it on, a, on an email, about a cruise that was being offered and the question of how can one participate in a luxury cruise event with all the starving children in Somalia. Our elder brother is purported to have said that there will always be those among us who are not prosperous. Give to the children if you are led, but don't ingest a belief that there isn't enough to go around and that by not going on the cruise if you choose to do so, there will somehow be more money for Somalia. Can you see that this is an, an acceptance within our consciousness, if we buy into it, of there not being enough, and that once held as a firm belief will have an effect across the board of our personal financial life? That's how it works. Remember, our life is our consciousness in expression, and we cannot compartmentalize the effects from our choices. What am I saying? If we accept a thought that two plus two equals five, it's a truth, and I will apply it at home, I will apply it in the office, or if I travel to the far reaches of space, I will apply it there, everywhere. The effects from that error will surface. Saying that, the awareness that we cannot compartmentalize a belief of any kind to only have it manifest over here. 
it will spread and it will take us down another path or two that we will not like. Somewhere in my past, there used to be a person who affirmed with some degree of smugness that he would never own more than one pair of shoes as long as there is someone without any. Can you see how insidious that belief would be as it reaches out for all kinds of other similar circumstances to be now made manifest in one's life? It is very much like the, you, you know, the, the, the thought that we can extrapolate and said, well, I have been financially stable and I have been wealthy and I have been happy and prosperous for many years. I will now choose to be poor so the poor can be wealthy. It doesn't work that way. Then I ask you for your interpretation of this phrase, in this economy. I know what it means to the vast majority of people who use it in conversation. It is pejorative in its meaning. And this pejorativeness carries with it a vibrational signature that then becomes part of the consciousness of the speaker and then does what it does best, arrange for life to provide us with continual input that reinforces what, in this economy, means to the speaker of the phrase. If you cannot bring yourself to say, in this wonderful economy, at least speak the word in my improving relationship with an improving economy or similar. Remember, you and I are each individually, and yeah, to some extent collectively responsible for the choices we make that become our lives. However, and thankfully, our individual choices will trump the collective ones if we hold to the inviolate truth that is within us. In a song by George Clinton, Good Thoughts and Bad Thoughts, there is a line that I, that I have cleaned up, okay? Yet it poignantly speaks a measure of truth. And the line is, free your mind and your rear end will follow. <laughs> Paraphrased, center your mind in nothing but what speaks to you, save the abundant universe, and your life will follow suit. It has to. It is law. The streets are paved with gold, meaning we are always and consistently giving direction to God's source energy through us. And I again add the words, as us. And thought, thought is our template. Be quick to no longer hide, if you ever did, behind any excuse as to why the abundance of the kingdom isn't being expressed in your life to the level of your satisfaction, not anyone else's concerning you. Just begin to move more consciously upon each moment within the understanding that you are the potter and the tool you and I use is thought that then usually becomes word. If you want a different and new experience to happen in your life, then begin to tell a new story. Okay? Bless you. <laughs>